could do that all day, huh? Love worshiping the Lord together. We're not going to stop that, all right? Uh, but uh, one of the ways that we continue to worship is we get to hear from Him. Uh, this is one of the sweetest things we get to say all week. Let's open our Bibles and go to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Uh, we want you to be in God's Word. And so if you don't have a Bible, you can follow along with us on uh, the Bible app. Uh, under events, you'll find us there. That's kind of our uh, bulletin, if you will. There's announcements there. You can take notes if you want, follow along with the Scripture. Or if you forgot your Bible, uh, no problem. Uh, just grab the usher's attention. We would love to give you one. We want you to have a copy of God's Word in front of you. Uh, you'll notice that we are not going to the book of Mark today. Today is a little bit different. I'm just going to tell you, it's a lot different than our normal MO because today is halftime Sunday. And the reason we say it's, it's halftime Sunday is because we are about halfway, almost, almost, about halfway through our ministry year that begins at the, uh, the start of the school year. And so for us, this is an opportunity to kind of refocus on what are we doing this year, kind of hit the locker room and go over the game plan again and get fired up for the second half of our ministry year and what God is doing. So back in September, we celebrated as a church we celebrated five years, and, uh, and, and God has just been incredibly faithful to us, and uh, one of the things we were able to do is kind of launch this year's uh, initiative, this theme, our pursuit this year is 100 stories. We are praying and asking God for 100 stories of lives transformed by His glory, and, and, and so we got after this, starting to tell stories. We've got some sweet stories that we got to tell. And so we, we started telling some of these stories. Uh, if I can be honest with you though, there, there's a difference between telling stories and sharing them publicly. So we've actually told a lot more stories than we've shared publicly. We started telling stories at baptisms and testimonies and, and we got the guys together in the fall and played some football and got around the fire and we heard some stories about how God is at work there and we've been telling stories in our small groups but we also really want to be able to share some of these publicly on Sunday and, and there's a spot on our website for that and, and, and uh, uh, just to be honest with you we had to put a lot of that uh, public sharing on hold uh, because this last fall uh, we had to start looking uh, we, we were praying and asking God to help us find our next worship leader. And that became a major uh, priority. Not, not the top priority, not the biggest thing we were doing, but it was something that we really couldn't ignore. And I am fired up and praise God uh, that Phil and Lauren are here. And uh, just, just excited that they want to be a part of what, we're, what God is doing, what, what we're about here. And uh, buckle up, bro. we got a lot of work to do. And we're fired up and excited about but if I can be honest with you, uh, this has been kind of a challenging season for us as a, a church being a little short-handed, and we owe uh, so many thank yous uh, to you all, uh, those of you who really stepped up and helped us during this challenging season. But now, now it's time to get fired up. It's time to relight this fire. Let me give you a big idea. This is what we're asking God for. I would like you to pray with us and ask God for 100 stories of lives transformed by His glory and mobilized for His mission. Father, I am praying that You would do this in us. And uh, we're just excited about what You've been doing in our church. And 
humbled. God, there are moments where as, as we think about what you've accomplished for us on the cross, we're reminded of why you even had to go. So there, uh, in, in all honesty, maybe we feel a sense of, well, why are you going to use us? And, and we don't deserve this. And yet you allow us to be a part of what you are doing. And, and we give you praise for that. Lord, we are excited about what is happening in our church, in our community, and we look forward to how you are going to work. And we're praying that as you work, you get the glory. Not to us, but to your name. We'll be careful to give you the praise that you deserve. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, the, the question that I have been asking, why are, why are we here? Why is Harvest Bible Chapel here in Fairfax, here in Northern Virginia? And I am more and more convinced to this day that if God has His way, Northern Virginia is going to become a strategic launching pad for making and sending disciples to impact the nations with the Gospel. Do you believe that? But that is only going to happen if the church here is passionate about God's glory and the mission that He's given us. We kind of have a, a crazy opportunity living right here. The nations are at our door. We live just outside of the city that sends shockwaves around the globe. And so you, you, you just think, what, what if the church here was, was vibrant and growing and, and making disciples who multiply? You just think about the kind of impact that that would have, uh, not just here, but around the world. And, and anybody who has lived anywhere else, um, who, who's ever lived anywhere else besides Northern Virginia in here. Any any point in your life, so, like basically all of us. Anyone who has ever lived anywhere else can tell you that Northern Virginia is a unique community. All right, we 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 have a different rhythm, a, a different pace of life here, and, and it's kind of a, a melting pot of cultures and backgrounds, and and people are coming from all over the place, and and, and while we have all of this diversity, we really have some shared experiences that we all have in common around here. We, we all kind of either embrace or fight them to some degree. And I'm not really trying to tell you anything new, but listen, listen, the more we understand our context, our community, the more we can exegete our culture, the more clearly and effectively we can communicate the countercultural message of the gospel. And so we've been doing a lot of thinking about what life is like here in Northern Virginia. But can I tell you, can I tell you what life is like in Northern Virginia? I know this isn't new to you, but maybe this will resonate. Maybe you'll feel this. Here in Northern Virginia, uh, we are informed. We're really informed. We, uh, the, the world comes to us, and it watches what's happening in our backyard. This is the place where the national news is our local news. Like we just saw that with the government shutdown. All of a sudden, that, you know, other people are like looking at us and watching what's happening. That affects us in a much more tangible way. And we are smart and educated and we have the best schools and we are aware and in the know and we are current and diverse and we see a bigger and yet shrinking world. We're, we're informed. And we're also impressive. We like telling other people where we live 
and what we do. And, and, and we're no longer shocked when we run into people who have prominent and highly influential positions in the, in the government and in the military and the corporate world. And, and we are brave and, and conversant in broken English. And we eat food you've never heard of. And, and we are important and accomplished and proud of our position and location and who we know. We're impressive. And we're independent. We have what it takes to survive DC's culture. And, and, and usually, we can handle uh, schedules and, and commutes and tolls that would keep other people away. And, and we are self-reliant, and we are driven and determined and proven survivors, and other people would be shocked to find out where we come from. And we are intentional. We want to make a difference, and we have full confidence that we can change the world. We are, we are driven and and, and we are focused and cause-oriented and ready for a challenge. And, and we care about justice and social issues. And if we connect with anyone, it's usually on purpose. Because we're also isolated. We bump into a lot of people. But few really know us. And all the, the pace of life and the traffic and the cultural barriers and the transient nature of this area and our communities makes it easy for us to build walls and hard to connect with others. We are comfortable in a crowd of diversity while starving for deep community. Anybody feel that? This is, this is life in Northern Virginia as many know it. And what's, what's interesting is we've discovered that a lot of people have a love-hate relationship with this area. Like, like we love it. We, lo- we love being here. We love, we're, we're proud of this prestige of living here. We're, we're passionate about our pursuits. And yet, if we're honest, we kind of would all admit that we feel like something's missing. Something needs to change about life in Northern Virginia. We can all kind of sense it, but we can't always see it. And, and I just want to be really clear on this one, okay? It's not just that the, the, the city or our culture needs to change. And moving away is not going to solve the problem. People need their lives to be transformed and given real meaning and real purpose. So what's going to bring the change? Well, you're looking at it. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. At the end of 2nd, not 1st, 2nd Corinthians chapter 3. At the end of this chapter, verse 18. Verse 18, Paul tells us this. We all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So, so I want to kind of break this down here. and We're just going to look at the first result of God writing new stories in our church. And it's this, if you're taking notes, just we're, we're, we're transformed by His glory. We're transformed by His glory. Paul says, and we all with unveiled face. What he's saying is that is something that has already happened to you. You don't wear a veil anymore. You're like, that's super weird. I've never worn a veil in my life. How many of you have ever worn a veil? Anybody? Not a lot of guys. A few ladies. Yes, like, so I, like, this is weird. Wait, here, it's a metaphor, okay? And it's actually a historical metaphor. In fact, Paul has just been talking about a guy named Moses. Remember Moses? 
Moses was the guy with like the burning bush and he parted the Red Sea and, and he led God's people out into the wilderness. Moses had this really cool opportunity. Uh, he got to enter into the tent where, where God's presence was and he got to stand in God's presence without a veil, with nothing blocking his way. He could stand right in the presence of God. Somebody say, that's cool. That is really, really cool, okay? And in fact, it was so cool that when he would come out of the tent after being in the presence of God, his face, the text says, was glowing. And that doesn't mean like figuratively like a girl who just got engaged or a kid in a candy store. It means literally his face was shining. And we don't know what that would have looked like, whether it would have looked like a light bulb or whether it was more phosphorescent, glow-in-the-dark, we don't know. But, but the Israelites, the children of Israel, when they saw him coming out of the tent, his, his face is like light. Now, they're kind of freaked out a little bit. And, and so Moses would take a, a veil and he'd put it over his face to hide his face from the Israelites. And, and so the purpose of a veil is to, it's to conceal, it's to, to cover up, it's to, to hide something. I know we don't use those a lot, so I guess like modern day equivalent for us might be uh, like a hijab, uh, you know, like one that would really more cover a full face, or uh, if you're like our house, um, we have this going on around in our house. You know what this is? Anybody know what this is? Uh, like, I can't see you, so you're just going to have to tell me. Uh, this, is, this is Lego Ninjago, okay? So what is the purpose of a ninja wearing a mask? What's the purpose? It's hide his identity. So he's trying to cover up. And so what, what, what Paul is doing is he's actually using this, this, this veil in reverse. Because look at what he says. He says, and we all, and when he says we all, he's talking about believers. He's not talking about all people. That's the problem. Not everybody has had the veil removed. In fact, look at verse 14. If you look up at verse 14, he says, their minds, some of them, their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, that same veil remains unlifted. Because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, listen, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is so what he's saying is, unless you turn to the Lord, it's kind of like you got a ninja mask that fell over your face and you can't see. you got something here and it's blocking your ability to see and believe in the Gospel. In fact, you will not believe, you will not see unless Jesus takes the veil away. Now, now, I, now I can see. Now I can see the glory of God and, and, and believe. So I, got, I, I just want to like help you understand that this is God's work. God has to do this. And so if we are going to be hearing stories of, of lives that have been transformed, then we need to be praying that God is going to change hearts. He has to make unbelievers see the glory of the Gospel. He's got to take the blinders off so that people can see Him. So my question for you is, are you praying for that? Do you, do you pray for that? Do you have a list of people that, that you know, unbelievers, that you're like praying that God would do a work in them? i got to tell you, what fires me up is that God has been doing this. He's been bringing people to salvation, and I believe He's going to continue to open eyes and 
bring people to salvation here in Northern Virginia. And we got to pray for salvation stories. Who are you praying for? Who is it that's on your list? Are, are you asking God, God, do a work in them. Let, let them see. We demonstrate our faith and our expectation that He can and that He will when you're disciplined to ask Him. I got to tell you, it's pretty awesome when, when you get the opportunity to move a name from your unsaved list to your church list. Ready for that? Those are the kind of stories we want to hear. But we also want to hear some stories about believers. Because, because look, he says, we all, that's believers, with unveiled face. So that, remember, that's what happened in the past, okay? That happened when you trusted Jesus to save you from your sins. God removed the veil. So now look what happens. Now, beholding the glory of the Lord. We see God's glory. Does that not fire anybody up this morning? Man, we get to see the glory of God. You say, like, I've never seen God. I don't, I'm like, listen, there is coming a day where we are going to see Jesus face to face. And yet now, even now, because we have been spiritually set free, He's removed the veil. Even now, we can see the glory of God in the pages of Scripture and in the proclamation of His Word. And even as we gather together, He inhabits the praises of His people and we experience His manifest presence with us in the church. And just as Moses got to enter into the tent, into His presence, we have that same access. We get to see the glory of God. And so we've said that, it, that, that when you encounter uh, the glory of God, it, it's kind of like drinking from a waterfall. Can you imagine trying to drink from a waterfall? I mean, you're, you're like, like standing on this thing. It's just pouring over you. It's overwhelming, and yet it's satisfying. If you're standing in the presence of God, there's going to be moments where He's going to knock you down. You're going to realize, like, man, I don't stand a chance. You don't mess with holiness. i got to get as low as I can. Like, we, 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 can't, we can't be in the presence of a holy God, yet He invites us in, and then we taste it and we realize this is, this is satisfying. Man, this is refreshing. This satisfies my soul. Why would I want anything else? I get to be in the presence of God. And His glory is our goal of every worship service and everything we do. We're praying like Moses. God, just show us Your glory. That's what we want to see. Which means that God's glory must be on display at church. I mean, what, seriously, what else are you coming for? This, is, this must become our passion. And as Phil and as I, we're, we're going to get together, we're going to plan these services together. You better believe that the destination, the thing that we're running after, is God's glory. That's what we want to see every Sunday. From the moment we say, hey, let us stand and worship the Lord. That's a call to worship. What we're saying is, hey guys, He deserves our praise. I know you got some other things that you got going on this week. you, you got other things that you've been thinking about, but come on. Our, our, this God, He deserves more than we can give Him. Let's worship the Lord together. And, and the psalmist says, I was glad when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. There's an excitement and an eagerness. Let's do this together. But then we want to move from we to, to me. And, and I want to personalize the gospel and think about what Christ has done for me in my life. And the more I do that, th then we leave we and me behind. And, and we just want to be in your presence. It's all to you. 
The psalmist says we ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. That we want to be in His presence. And then we get this opportunity to say, hey, let's open our Bibles and let's hear from it. We hear the authority of God's Word. It's never just another Sunday. Never just another Sunday. Because this is why we're here. To lift high the name of Jesus. Behold His glory and experience His presence. This is why. If we're seeing God's glory here at Harvest, then look what will happen. Look at the text. Look at what it says. Beholding the glory of the Lord, we are being transformed into the same image. So the result of Beholding God's glory, we are we're changed. He makes us more like Jesus. If He has done that in you, you have to do that. If people are encountering God's glory here in Northern Virginia, then we are going to hear a hundred and more stories of lives transformed. This is what we're pursuing as a church. It's not a gimmick, and it's not just for a year, okay? Lord willing, this is always what we're going to be pursuing. But, but I love, love what he says. We're being transformed from one degree of glory to another. What Paul means there is he's just saying it's, it's little by little, really. Okay? This is progressive. It doesn't happen all at once. God is at work and He is changing you to look more and more like Jesus and it's not going to stop until He finally completes His work in you when He returns. And so I would encourage you, don't, don't despise the little things. Don't despise the little ways. I mean, you may be hesitant uh, to tell your story. God might be doing something in you right now. But you feel like, this isn't, my, my story's not as spectacular my story's not very flashy. I don't feel like I'm going to get a standing, oh, I'm, you know, people aren't going to be wowed by my story. But every degree of glory, and then the next one, and then the next one after that, where you are becoming more like Christ, that's a story worth telling. And so, maybe... Maybe God is transforming your impatience with your kids. I gotta tell you, that's pretty spectacular. Maybe, maybe He's transforming you and helping you grow in your daily discipline and reading God's Word. And He's helping you grow in boldness at work. Then He's helping you grow in your love for your neighbors. You're becoming more like Jesus. You might have a hundred stories just in your life. You're still in progress. So I hope that you see that a that, uh, hundred stories for us is all about making disciples. And nothing has changed about what we're doing. Okay? We believe that growing disciples worship Christ because they behold His glory. They're in awe of Him. Love Him. And so we want you to be here on Sundays. 
Get excited. Come on. Let, let, let's, let's get here early. Let's get down to the front. I, we ain't no Baptist church. We've got rows right down here. You can come. There's an eagerness and exciting. We want to be in the presence of God. I am excited to worship the Lord. We want disciples that have an eagerness to that. And disciples who walk with Christ because they're being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another as we are getting in the Word of God around communities that's encouraging us, uh, stirring us up to love and to good deeds, holding one another accountable. We do that in our small groups. But then you'll also notice that we believe that disciples, they also work for Christ. So I'm going to do something that we normally don't do. We're going to jump to another passage. Okay? I want you to take your Bibles and go to John chapter 20. I know this is super weird. Normally we just get in one text and we just rock it out. But like here we are in John chapter 20 because I want to, this is a good way to really learn the scriptures, but at times we need to synthesize what, he, what he's been really trying to teach us. And so in John chapter 20, I want to give you um, the second result of God writing new stories in our church. And, and um, so, so at halftime, a lot of times when you go into the locker room, um, Sometimes you need to make adjustments. Uh, this is a halftime adjustment for us. Not adding anything new. We're just adjusting the game plan a little bit of what we're looking for in these stories. And, and so let me, uh, if you're taking notes, this is the second result. You'll see it in a moment. Uh, mobilized for his mission. We're mobilized for his mission. I want you to see this in John chapter 20, verse 21. Here's what he says. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Even so, I am sending you. I'm sending you. Who's he sending? Sending you. All right, help your neighbor out just for a minute. Uh, you're speaking on the Lord's behalf here, okay? Go ahead and tell your neighbor, hey, he's sending you. Go ahead and tell him. God is speaking to you right now. This is what He wants you to hear, okay? What He's saying is, as the Father sent Me. So Jesus was sent on a mission. What was Jesus sent to do? Well, well that, that, we actually see that in, in John. This is a major theme. I've got it for you on the screen here. John chapter 3, you know verse 16. But here in verse 17, it says, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So Jesus was sent on this mission to save the world. And what he's saying is, even as I'm sent, now I'm sending you. We get sent by Jesus. And we're not sent to do what Jesus did. We're going to tell other people about what Jesus did. We get this opportunity to go and tell them that there is a Savior and his name is Jesus. And you can be forgiven of your sins. He is giving you a mission. Can I tell you, that means that He's giving you real purpose for your life. He wants you, if you are a disciple, then He's mobilizing you for His mission. What's crazy to me is that around here, even though we have driven and disciplined and impressive people around here, believe it or not, there are some people who claim to love Jesus who are a lot more like spiritual couch potatoes. Not interested in, in, in really getting after this at all. In fact, they're more like the out-of-shape fan wearing the 
football jersey, which will be me tonight, okay? Like, but, but you can go and watch the Super Bowl and, and kick back on the couch eating wings and pizza rolls watching athletes grinding it out. But church is not a spectacle for your entertainment. And, and this is not where you can feel like you're a part of a mission because you get to watch other people getting after it. What he's saying is he's looking for your participation. We are the church. This is our job. So guess what? This is your job. What he's saying is get in the game. I want you to be a part of this. In fact, uh, the great preacher Charles Spurgeon said it this way, every Christian here is either a missionary or an imposter. This is what we do when we love Jesus. So we want to tell others, because listen, listen, worship leads to mission. When we get the vertical relationship and we stand in awe of Him, it leads us to horizontal ministry because when we love Him, we're in awe of His glory. My life is transformed. Now, I want others to come to know and love Him as, as I do. And, and you get to go tell other people and make disciples. That's some real purpose. I'm telling you, there's some really good things that you can uh, pursue in, in this life. And, and they're not wrong. But this is greater than any of them. This is better than making money and, and, and influencing politics and impressing your superiors and acquiring stuff and status and, and finding your soulmate and, and getting to travel the world and, and settling into your dream house and having smart and successful kids and, and having a comfy life and, and stockpiling for retirement. This is so much better. God has given us a greater reason to live. And your part in this work is mission critical. We want disciples who work for Christ. And the work of the church, the work of disciples, is to make disciples. And so when we say we want you to work for Christ, let me spell that out for you. Let me give you two ways you can do that. Like, okay, I want to worship Christ. I'm coming on Sunday morning, walk with Christ. I'm going to dive into a small group in relationships and get into His Word. I want to work for Christ. What do I do? Well, the first thing is you can serve the church. You serve the church. Let me, let me connect the dots for you real quick. Because if we are on mission, then you serving the church helps us accomplish the mission. Which is why we will never apologize for asking for volunteers because it's an opportunity for you to grow and to help us accomplish the mission that Jesus has given us to do. We're trying to proclaim the gospel. We're trying to preach His word. We're trying to lift up the name of Jesus in worship and in song. And we're trying to welcome people who have never known love. We're trying to teach our kids. Uh, we're, we're trying to connect people with biblical communities and small groups. And I've got to tell you, there's a lot of work that goes in behind the scenes to make sure that that stuff is happening. And no job is insignificant. Whatever work, whatever service you are doing for the church, that is mission critical. You're helping us accomplish what Jesus called us to do. So first, you can serve the church. And here's the second one. Here's how you can work for Christ. Tell people about Jesus. Didn't see that one coming, did you? Are you doing that? Just try to keep it simple around here. Living in Northern Virginia actually presents us with a strategic opportunity as a church 
How many times have you heard someone say to you around here, uh, military's moving me out, or my job's taking me to Houston? Or I, I can't even tell you how many times I've um, met somebody and they've introduced themselves, and one of the first things they tell me, I, I kid you not, this happens a lot around here, and people will say, like, listen, listen, I'm only here for six months. I'm only going to be here for 18 months. This is a really transient area. Can we be honest for just a minute? That's hard on our hearts. Because it means that people we love end up moving away. I've been thinking about why God has us here and reflecting on I think we, we've been here now for almost two years. As I think about why God brought us here, I gotta tell you, I love I don't even get why God would use me. I, I love being your pastor. I love getting getting to be a part of what God is doing. It's also been almost it's been kind of painful as we think back and remember all sorts of people that we grew to love pretty quickly that have already come and gone. We've only been here two years. Here's what we can do about this. We can either hate it and complain about it and, and, and become bitter and become guarded and, and build walls and, and not try to reach out and connect with others because honestly, keeping to myself might just be easier than having to eventually say goodbye to somebody that I grow to love. I get it. We can, we can, we can hate it and fight it. Or, or we can see this as an incredible opportunity for the Gospel. What if God has us here for a reason. Most people aren't from here. You know that, right? In fact, uh, we're, we're baseball fans. And I know we hail from other places and we've got other teams that we root for. But our family, uh, we became Nationals fans this last year. We took the kids to a couple of Nats games and they love it. Mostly they love watching to see which president is going to win uh, the race. But when you go to a Nats game, it's pretty awesome, right? They get, you know those videos that they show that get the crowd all fired up and hyped? Those hype videos. There was, there was a video that, that really stood out to me because I think they get it. Here's what they said. No matter where you're from, we are all national. This is our reality. So whether you're here because you grew up here or you moved here by choice or by assignment, and whether you plan to stay here or you're only here for a season, you are here now. And God has you here for a reason. And, and, and listen, the reality is a lot of people aren't going to stick around here. God is going to send them out whether we like it or not. But what did Jesus just say? He said, I am sending you. And so my question, what, what if, what if, what if we became an intentionally sending church? What if we got fired up about this? We can do this in a really powerful and strategic way. I get, so you're only going to be here for a few months. You're only going to be here for a year. Well, while you're here, plug in. And we want your life to be transformed by the glory of God and mobilized for the mission of God. We want you to learn to be sent here. Don't worry about going across the world until you learn to go across the street. And you can do that now. You can do that here. 
And you don't have to quit your job and become a pastor. You don't have to become an international missionary and start raising support for that. Listen, listen. God has already sent you. He's already sent you. Think, think about where, where are you going to be uh, Monday morning? Where, where are you going to be this Thursday? Where are you going to be that I'm not going to be? Where are you going to be that other people have no contact? They're not going to reach those people. What, what, how would it change your day if you were thinking, okay, God put me here for a reason. This is my opportunity, and he's expecting me to make disciples here. I mean, this gets me fired up. What if people came to harvest and their lives were transformed by the glory of God and they got fired up and learned how to be sent right here? And then the Lord is going to literally send them out whether we like it or not. But we get to rejoice because it's advancing the gospel around the nation. God can use a worshiping and sending church here in Fairfax for incredible kingdom impact. When I was 13 years old, my parents decided they want to give me a, uh, a birthday party, kind of a special one. They asked some people that were close to the family and meant a lot, and they, they wanted to give some meaningful gifts and and. and uh, for some of those people to be able to speak into my life. And, and it was really cool. I got some, uh, I think my pastor at the time gave me this really old Hebrew Bible. I thought it was really cool. And then I got to my uncle's gift. Okay. My uncle, and I, I love my uncle Dan. He is, uh, uh, he's one of those guys that has, uh, like, he, he just wants to take on the world. Okay. Like he can't sit still and he loves Jesus and wants to see other people come to know and love Jesus. But I opened uncle Dan's gift and he gave me this. It's a penny. He didn't give me this penny, but it, like I couldn't, you know, forget that, right? You're like, gee, thanks, Uncle Dan. I mean, you really splurged for that one, right? I mean, this is basically worthless. You would need over 200 of these just to get like a tall coffee at Starbucks, okay? How much is a penny worth? Nobody else is good at math either. That's encouraging. Like, I went to Bible school, so I didn't have to do this. Somebody help me. How much is a penny worth? I know this is, like, totally cheesy. This is 20 years ago, but I've never forgotten it. This was a reminder to me that I am one sent out into the world. Why do we forget that? Why do we forget to live like that here? That he's sending me into my job. He's sending me into my community, into my home. I know you're going to run into one of these this week, right? You'll see it on the sidewalk or in the, in the black hole in your vehicle, you know, between the seat and the console where stuff goes to die. And You're going to run into one of these. Let it be a reminder for you. You are sent. And, and some of you get this. And I love hearing stories of how you're inviting people to church and inviting people to your small group and reaching out and trying to connect with your neighbors and share the gospel with your co-workers. And I just tell you, those are stories worth telling. Because this is, this is God's work in us and it means that we're a healthy, growing church. And if we are in passionate pursuit of His glory and accomplishing this mission that He has given us, then God is going to do the work of writing 100 stories. and He's not going to stop there. 
So today might be your story. Maybe you would say, if you think about it, you're like, wow, God really has been doing something in my life lately. Maybe it's small, that's fine. Would you tell us your story? We got a place on the website. We would love for you. We'd encourage you to kind of let us know. There's a share your story on our 100 stories page there. We're going to reorganize our storytellers team and get after this because we want to share these things together. But this is God's work. Okay, This is what he's doing in us and through us. We need to pray. I'm going to ask you to stand. Let's stand together. And we're going to pray together, okay? Now, I know that some of you are like totally freaked out at this because uh, you're, you're, maybe you're new with us. Uh, there's no reason to be uh, weirded out by this. We just love God. We love talking to God. We love doing that together. If you're totally uncomfortable with that, that's fine. You don't have to pray. Uh, but I want you to find a couple people around you, and, and we're just going to pray together. Here's what I want you, I want you to pray that God is going to work. Here's what you're going to ask. Find a couple people around. You're going to ask God for 100 stories of lives transformed by his glory and mobilized for his mission. Lord, nothing's going to happen unless you do the work. And so we're praying and expecting. God, I pray that you would increase our faith today. That you would remind us that this is what you are doing. You are are making us more like yourself. God, we get to see your glory. And then you send us out so that we can tell other people, "Come, come listen, come hear what Jesus has done in my life. I want you to see this great glorious God that I know and love. Lord, I pray that you would do this work in us. God, we're praying that you would do what you want to do, not only in our church, but in our community. And we pray that you would get the glory. And it's in Jesus' powerful name we pray.